This episode is brought to you by Star Lion Thieves of the Red Knight, an indie book by a black author named Leon Lankford. Star Lion is about a gravity manipulating teen, Jordan Harris, who is arrested for vigilante activity, who is then forced to choose between jail and joining a superhero training academy. This book can be found on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and even an ebook audiobook combo on Blurred.com. Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Ali Soko. Let's see if this works this time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me again. I'm so sorry about last time. We had such a good talk about Spider-Man. I was laughing. We were laughing. Like, I really think you all would have had a good time with that one, but... Yeah. But... Que sera, sera. Sometimes things fall apart. So... We have a big, 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 big show to talk about today. We're going to talk about things that we missed in 2021. We're going to discuss Matrix Resurrections. But first, we are going to do a little Spidey follow-up. Some things that we missed. I may have some uh, retractions to make, actually. And uh, some new things to to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) First off, I want to ask you, do you think No Way Home is the best Spider-Man movie? No, not after sitting on it for a little bit. I have to admit, not after sitting on it for a while, I was swayed after rewatching. So you watched it twice? No, I didn't. I rewatched the actual good movie. (laughs) Well, okay, 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 come on now. No Way Home is still a good movie. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm saying it's not the best after consideration, okay? Because when this movie first came out, you know, I think my brother says it best. He says people are suffering from what's new syndrome. Um, I think in the industry, it's called uh, recency bias. Yeah. And so after I sat on it for a second, thought about like everything from the soundtrack to what was memorable moments for me from which movie I'm going to reach for in the future. It's not this one. Yeah. I think Spider-Verse easily yep. is the best. I mean, that soundtrack alone, I still got it on my Spotify playlist. This is in my top 10. <laughs> I wait train to that. What's the song? Start a Riot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my shit. No, speaking of recency bias, you all know I'm a gym teacher, and sometimes we play dodgeball. And just last week, one of my kids got rocked in the face, and he immediately started crying. But I had to remind him that the balls are quite soft, and he really wasn't hurt. It was just a shock. I think that can be said about a number of things in life, and kind of the opposite for this movie. Like, all the lights, the the emotional moments, the fan service, everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. But as you said, you get some time away from it, and it's not as great as you think and for some movies they're not as bad as you think but um i was seeing these video explainers about the plot holes and i i think a lot of it is just it's projection like why is electro in the movie when he doesn't know peter parker and people were talking like well maybe electro went into the electric grid at oscorp and he like absorbed data and i'm like yo what what kind of gomu gomu no reach is that (laughs) so reaching it's reaching so hard. Yeah, I'm just I'm just overall exhausted with explainers and the corporate PR damage control. 
It's kind of the same thing with the uh, the, the Venom. I, I, I went to ask my husband, and then I heard, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. That's such bullshit. Yeah. The hive mind. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, the hive mind can go through multi... Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse did not need an explainer. Spider-Man yeah. 2 did not need an explainer. Like, no. I've talked about this before, I think, but movies like Get Out have explainers that talk about the Easter eggs and the horror influences that make rewatches more fun because you're looking for those little details, but Mm -hmm. you don't need an explainer for the basic plot of the movie. Right. And so for me personally, movies that don't explain themselves well, I'm going to take points off that from now on. So I'm going to ask you two. People are arguing about whether this is the best trilogy in the MCU series. What's your thoughts on that? Let me think about it. Okay. It's not strong. <laughs> I mean, because I, you said I had to think that you're saying MCU as in Marvel Cinematic Universe as in the current universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Still no. <laughs> what would you rate higher than this? I think uh, the Captain America were better, actually. Great answer. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> I think outside the London scene from Far From Home, which is pretty good. No action compares to that of uh, Winter Soldier or Civil War. Even the emotional fight between Goblin and Peter at the end of this movie, I don't think it's better than Cap and Bucky against Tony. He's my friend. So was I. I agree. Like, (laughs) the first two movies, like, I will say this, that the Spider-Man trilogy of this Marvel Cinematic Universe is interesting. It's nice to watch it's good it's not yeah it's good it's passable but it yeah compared to the captain america trilogy there was a lot of hard hit it make people like captain america because he's not generally a particularly likable character generally at least in pop culture yeah yeah exactly he's not marketed well exactly he's captain america like (laughs) him as who he is is not that likable and the trilogy made him likable I think it's also important to consider the through lines with these movies. Every movie is Peter making a poor decision, and then he has to clean it up. He had to hear and really internalize the the great power, great responsibility point in his third movie, but I felt like he already said it indirectly to Tony Stark during Civil War when he was sitting uh, in his room. Why are you doing this? I gotta know, what's your MO? What gets you out of that twin bed in the morning? Because... Look, when you can do the things that I can, but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. It's not that engaging to me versus someone like Cap. Cap was a great man before the serum, but then he gets it. He saves the world, but he couldn't save his friend or be with the love of his life. And in the sequel, he's a man out of time. He's dealing with that. The next time he sees the love of his life, she's, she has Alzheimer's. She's on the brink of death. You learn that your best friend is alive. He was an assassin of your mortal enemy, but he still holds on to his values, saves the day and his friend. And then Civil War, he deals with the death of the love of his life. But her words, as said by her niece at the funeral, help inspire him to stick to his heart and protect his friend. Those two connections are the through lines besides Cap just sticking to his values no matter what's thrown at him. And I found that more interesting overall. I actually found it super interesting that Cap stuck to his values, and sometimes that meant going against the government. And, and all, all three movies. It kind of gave, 
Right. And that and that was a really good thing that shows like the government does not always equal what's best for America the world. because he's Captain America. Yeah, he's Captain America, though. So it's like a really good idea of just because we don't like something our government does doesn't mean we don't yeah. like our country or like, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Captain was, Cap ended up being a very complex character. Um, the current Peter, I mean, again, I, I do say he's young and he's dumb, but he's starting to become a little bit one note. Yeah, that's why I said this movie was fine. But if the next series of films is him still just being a doofus and messing things up and oh, my God, did I do that? I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Now, I do want to give this movie some credit, though. I did come to realize some things on the rewatch. I asked on the review how Peter could get the villains out of the magic prison, and there is an explanation. When Doctor Strange shot Peter into a cell to test out the device he made for him, he uses a physical lever, like he turns it, to get him out of it. So, that's explained. At the same time, I talked about how ridiculous it was for Peter to bring these five supervillains around his aunt. When he got them out, he told MJ he didn't want her to go with him because it was too dangerous. So why is it cool for Aunt May, but not cool for MJ? It, that made no sense to me. I feel like because MJ is his girlfriend and Aunt May is an adult that he can't tell what to do because obviously he tried to tell her to leave him where they was, but she ain't listen. So I ain't blaming none of Aunt May stuff on Peter because she's stubborn. Child endangerment. Right. <laughs> I'm actually mad at her. I am too. <laughs> I'm like, you asked for this. Both of you did. Also... I think it's very interesting the lengths that Peter goes through to save these villains he doesn't know, but just cried and walked away from a dying Tony Stark. <laughs> also interesting, the lengths that Strange went through to help Peter and did nothing for Tony. Maybe it's one of those inevitable plot points. Again, it's okay if Tony dies, but write it so I understand. You know what? <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Let's... Yep, let's, uh, let's yep. <laughs> I want to talk about some characters I saw in the sky. I think on the first two watches, I only saw Craven. But mm. I, on the third watch, I also saw the comic interpretation of the Rhino, not the mechanized suit version from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, let's see here. What else did I note? Overall, after three times of watching this, I've concluded that while I think the plot holes and the character choices are irritating, I feel like this is a movie where it's more than the sum of its parts. And the third act is really fun. Mm-hmm. Like the three Peters swinging out together once they form the plan and like landing on the statue. Are you going to talk about how people are now saying that Garfield is the best Spider-Man? I rewatched Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 and I may have to agree. Everyone knows from the animated shows that Spider-Man is a joker. You know, mm-hmm. he pisses off his villains by just shooting barbs at him while he's webbing him in the face. It's great. Andrew Garfield was the best at that. Mm-hmm. There's the the scene in the first movie when he uh, he confronted the car burglar and he had the knife and he goes, <laughs> "Just let me go." Got a knife? Is that a okay. real knife? Yes, it's a real knife. My weakness. It's small knives. Just let me go. Anything but knives. Oh, it's so simple. That was cool. What the hell is this webbing that I developed myself? I don't think you really want to know. Come right on, now. let me go. Stop! Get off, man. <laughs> Tom Holland only did the joke thing during that opening bank sequence in homecoming but he's never done that again mm-hmm. like funny things happen to him and he'll react in a funny way like even you know in no way home uh may and happy caught him and uh mj trying to undress him 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was funny. Funny things happen, but it's not like he's making the jokes. Right. He's so, not quippy. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if Andrew Garfield was not a 30-year-old man and, you know, they gave him better stories, I think he really would have been the I best. I feel like even if he was a 30-year-old man, if they just gave him a better story, it would be fine. Yeah, if they just make him Spider-Man and not like... I'm in. I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm a. I'm a high schooler. <laughs> I don't know, know why. I, okay, this is a grievance. I don't know why every Spider-Man story has to be him in high school because the Amazing Spider-Man, the animated series, he was like in college. Sure. The. I mean, to its credit, the second Amazing Spider-Man film, he was in college, but I mean, he was still thirty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Wong. So I made a meme. I made a Twitter about this. Uh, this became my most uh, liked and reshared tweet ever. But Wong talking about his higher duties and keeping him out of it. But last time we checked in on Shang-Chi, he was fighting the abomination in some Macau cage match. <laughs> so him talking all this shit about Doctor Strange. I mean, that was then. This is now. <laughs> my boy going on trips. He getting paid, getting laid in Macau. I'm busy. <laughs> If you're the Sorcerer Supreme and your job is to protect our reality, wouldn't you want to just hang out to make sure this goes right? The full moon party is apparently something that happened, you know, between the sorcerers. But if this dude's doing a, a worldwide cast, you wouldn't want to just hang around for... Because that spell didn't take a long time. Maybe like 10 minutes to make sure things are straight. I don't know. That was a bit hokey for me on the rewatch. I am wondering what they're going to do with this man's character because they making him the definition of my name is Bennett I ain't in it he has been in so many <laughs> Marvel show movies and, everything and he just every time he's just walking away and I don't understand why he's so antagonistic towards Steven Endgame he was like you want more then he shows up in this one just like almost like he really does not like this man I but, think he hasn't liked Steven since the beginning he's never liked he's never particularly been fond of him I don't remember the original the movie Strange. that well I mean he wasn't like super fond he's always been kind of grumpy but Infinity War, when they were right before the Hulk came out, they were just kind of joking about uh, wanting like a, a sandwich. Like they were just having just just regular banter. I'll tell the guys at the deli. Maybe they'll make you a metaphysical ham oh, and rye. Wait, 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 wait. I think get two hundred dollars, rupees, which is a bucket of hot. What do you want? I wouldn't say no to a tuna melt. And it went from that to, to the in-game line and then to this movie. Like, this man saved the world and you, you've just grown disdain over time. I don't get it. I kind of think we have to reiterate the point that Strange is an asshole. I mean, after this movie, absolutely. I mean, even before, like, we, we always have to remember that while Strange can do serious things and be very helpful, mm-hmm. the man is an antagonistic asshole sometimes. As we see in the way he talks to people. Fair. Even other superheroes that are not Peter. That's true. So imagine how he'd be talking to Wong. Word. <laughs> just to end this, just a box office follow-up. This is the second biggest Christmas weekend of all time behind uh, The Force Awakens. Ooh. It is the third highest grossing Christmas Eve film. And of course, it has passed $1 billion globally. During a pandemic, no less. It's the first to do so. So just breaking records left and right. Now, keeping on with Marvel, you want to talk about Hawkeye. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love Hawkeye. I'm a Hawkeye fangirl for both the Clint Barton and Kate Bishop versions. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of Spider-Verse, she's the voice actress for Gwen Stacy in Spider-Verse, right? Yeah, I I'm think pretty so. sure she is. Yeah. Haley, Haley, Stan, I don't know. Anyway, I have been entertained with this show, but nothing about it has 
been super enthralling for me. Like when I watch WandaVision, every episode, you're looking for these Easter eggs and there's this mystery. Captain Falcon or Captain America was fine too. I think the the action was better. So, and I was I was invested in that kind of buddy cop relationship. It was interesting. Loki was okay. What if I was always curious about again how they're going to twist these stories and characters that we already knew. Hawkeye is just more straightforward. And it's not bad by any means. Mm. I just it's just not as memorable to me as some of the others. I like the straightforward nature of Hawkeye. And that's probably why I like Hawkeye as a character. He is the most straightforward character. Mm -hmm. And I think I liked seeing very realistic iterations of grief, PTSD, Mm. etc. The man can't hear (laughs) because they ask him, how'd how'd that happen? And he's just thinking about boom, boom, boom. boom. It's very reasonable, and it's really real, and I really enjoyed that. Um, this is a normal-ass dude who fought mm. with the Avengers. Right. I like the character. I like what they did with him. And again, you know, people were kind of a little upset about, about the Eternals remark about um, Makari, but I think the introduction of these deaf characters makes more sense to me, and I yep. really engaged with that a lot more than just God just made this deaf person for a reason. Mm-hmm. Their uh, use of deaf characters and disabilities like you said was more useful explained maya she's been deaf since she was little it makes sense she's had this incident since she was little with her leg Mm. you know it's not just some random character that they put in you know just for the sake of diversity and it's way more real with her struggle of going to school and issues that she had to deal with that was again i like the straightforward nature totally so i tried to dance around the inclusion of a certain character in the Spider-Man review, but was it episode five reveals that another character from the, the Netflix show is in it, the Kingpin. Yes. How'd you feel about that? I loved it. Even though a lot of people were mad about it. I loved it. And I loved the comic book straight from comic bookness of it all. I don't know. It feels weird to watch in a world where not everybody knows what's going on. Mm. So when the incident happened and everybody was like, oh my God, I was like, that's, that's supposed to happen. That's what happens. <laughs> How did you feel about the essential leveling up of Kingpin's strength? Because it's, it's starting to match what he did in the comic books, as opposed to the more kind of groundedness of the Netflix show. I was actually having this conversation with my brother because he just recently we watched Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that actually Kingpin was weirdly strong in Daredevil. And he said they didn't explain it. And I said, we, I, think we, I think this is one of those things where you just kind of assume that he has what he has, whatever is going on, because they're not explaining and you just comic book fans are just gonna roll with it but non-comic book fans are like somebody gonna tell us something (laughs) i mean i think he was unusually strong but in hawkeye he tore a door off and that's in hawkeye he took an arrow to the chest and looked at her like it was crazy <laughs> well you remember he he has those uh Bullet teflon suits yeah, so yeah. maybe that's that's a factor maybe it just it stopped it a little bit but yeah in the comic books you know he's huge i mean into the spider-verse interpretation is a bit too much but he's huge yeah but it's kind of funny when i watch vincent d'onofrio as an actor mm-hmm. it feels like his top half is really big but it's like he skipped leg day <laughs> the whole time and so it's kind of funny. As an actor, he's great. But physically, he doesn't really feel like Kingpin to me. Like Michael Clark Duncan was obviously not as good an actor as D'Onofrio in the role. But mm-hmm. physically, he felt more like yeah, Kingpin We got to all me. these wrestlers out here being actors. We, we were, where's Big Show? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right. 
<laughs> Big Show would have been a dead ringer for Kingpin, to be honest. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we got The Rock. We got uh, John Cena. We got Batista. Come on. You can't tell me. Just yeah. bring in the whole WWE. If uh, Mahershala Ali can be Blade and Codmouth in this universe, why can't we have Dave Batista be uh, be the Kingpin? <laughs> Put him in a fat suit, you know? He's tall enough, for sure. Yes. Do you want to say anything else? Okay, so this was really cool. They definitely, Marvel definitely made it so that when you watch Spider-Man, that you're supposed to be kind of caught up with Hawkeye. Like, I watched Spider-Man the next day. I went and watched episode five. I was like, they're like, let's go see the new improved Statue of Liberty. And I was like, the one that they destroyed in Spider-Man. Right. I was like, that's that's good writing. I was like, that's that's some good writing right there. I was just chuckling. And they started mentioning stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what are you talking about here? This excellent synergy there. But it was a great Christmas movie. It was feel good. It's also it's a Christmas show. And I, I thought it felt really good. How do you feel about Yelena? I love her. I actually look forward to Elena as Black Widow. She's more Black Widow than Scarlett Johansson has ever been Black Widow to me. Because mm. before Hawkeye was my favorite character, Black Widow was my favorite character in the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. I loved her. And the Black Widow I got in, in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe has not been the Black Widow that I fell in love with. And Elena to me is kind of that. it's She's badass. She's cool. She's got these smart little quips. Oh, I love her. Hashtag not my Black Widow. No, I, I, <laughs> I like her a lot too. I like her a lot too. What's my other question? What's my other question? You didn't write it down, sir? No, I just saw it off top. I actually did not make any notes for Hawkeye at all. (laughs) I was like, she got it. (laughs) No, um, I, yeah, the trick arrows was the best part. I always love seeing Hawkeye use trick arrows. That was cool, too. At the same time, if you're surrounded by dudes with guns, that was very comic booky. The fact that they weren't really moving around, they were just pulling things out. And it's like, these guys have semi-automatic, automatic weapons. Someone should have been hurt. Smoke? <laughs> At the least. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they show Hawkeye. Like, they had action, too, because Hawkeye was throwing hands. Like, actual hands. True. Okay, moving on to another Marvel property. You didn't see this one, but Ooh. I want to talk about Hitmonkey a little bit. This came out, I want to say, the same week as Cowboy Bebop. And of course, Cowboy Bebop, hate it or love it, and I didn't love it. All the conversation on Twitter, etc., was on Cowboy Bebop. But Hitmonkey is a sleeper hit. This is the newest non-Marvel Studios Marvel TV series on Hulu, which put out MODOK this year. I didn't see that. I want to catch up on that during my vacation. I haven't been this excited to recommend a TV series this year since Invincible, and another show that we'll talk about later on today. So the synopsis of Hitmonkey is... A Japanese macaque who begrudgingly becomes an assassin partners up with the ghost of an actual murdered assassin. And the people who murdered him slaughtered that macaque's clan. And the two work together on this mission of revenge. But they uncover a more nefarious plot that could affect the nation of Japan. (laughs) I see your face. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that. Um, Now... (laughs) like what did you just say (laughs) now in the comics i think the assassin is unknown and doesn't follow him around 
and coach him as it goes. But in this adaptation, the assassin's played by Jason Sudeikis, and he's pretty much like Archer. Like, he's foul-mouthed, he's sarcastic, he loves to drink, sexually indulge. He even says the phrase, what the shit? He has some really funny lines, and unlike Archer, he's never at a loss for words. It was Ryan Reynolds' level of just a steady stream of jokes. It's really good. Sometimes you'd think you know where the joke would end in a particular scene, and then he just kept going. Like, I I wondered, am I going to get tired of this? But I never did. Listening to him talk against the monkey playing the straight man most of the time just maybe want to see a Deadpool team up. He was in a short Deadpool arc. <laughs> I'm just watching her face. Just I gotta, I gotta watch it now. I, I gotta, cause that's confusing. Um, while I was watching it, I kept saying to myself, "This is dope." But how does this connect to Marvel? Then a certain character appears. There are at least three Marvel characters who appear, and if your frame of reference is only the MCU or even light comic reading, you won't know them. I don't want to get your expectations up like Deadpool isn't in this. But if you played the old Marvel vs. Capcom games, you'll know at least one of them. There's also a cool Easter egg where a character is reading a certain comic in this universe. There could be more, I don't know, but I had to watch and pause at least once watching this show to kind of catch some things. There was a scene where a character was thrown through the walls of a love motel and there was a woman in a wedding dress on the bed and a man is sitting next to her wearing this this wife beater and like a gas mask. <laughs> it was so. There could be more little things like that that I just didn't catch because I was just binging through it. The wild thing about this show is that there are real arcs for the main characters. And I was laughing at the jokes and ooing at the over-the-top gory violence. But then I got blindsided by actual drama and I almost got a little choked up. I think once you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. The last thing I want to talk about is the music. One of the things I criticized Shang-Chi for was that the soundtrack didn't elevate itself culturally to or above the level of Black Panther. I think Hitmonkey, set in Tokyo, the music has more personality. It's not just hip-hop. There are different genres here. I caught one that was sampled for an R&B hip-hop song, and I don't know if you're too young for this. I'm becoming my my mama now. What you know about this? I'm gonna do a little test. I'm gonna play this song. This is for the audience, too, because you all probably haven't watched the show. I'm gonna play this song, and I want you all to guess what sampled it. I feel like I've heard that before. Yep. I'm sure a lot of you have. What's the song? I don't... I can't... Well, I've heard that song before, though. Wait. I hate this. No, don't do this to me. Just tell me. Don't do this to me, because I'll be stuck. You ready? Yeah. I was like, I've heard this. I was like, yeah. But this sounds like something my, I've heard from my mom, not not me. <laughs> old man. I'm an old man now. Yeah. <laughs> Erica Badu, the healer. I love this beat. It's so good. The show's music is great. It's something that I would search out on Spotify. Like it isn't quite like Guardians, where it's a character in itself. But the song selection always pleasantly surprised me. So hats off to the music curator for that. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, Hitmonkey is apparently the last non-Disney TV production for Marvel, unless Hulu does a second season. And I'm begging y'all to watch this. Like, tell your friends, make some noise, 
So interest is generated. It's such a fun show. Like I don't know what the rights situation would be, but if they could put Deadpool in this, I would lose my mind. If they could fit Hitmonkey somehow into the MCU, teaming up with Deadpool or Rocket Raccoon, Groot, Howard the Duck, it would create some hilarious dynamics. There was a rumor for a game being developed off Hitmonkey, but that was a smokescreen for the Deadpool game that came out years ago. But I really do want a Hitmonkey game with combat and, and parkour. It'd be awesome. I'm I'm convinced to watch it. I don't know if the, the viewers or listeners are convinced, but I've been convinced to watch it. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. It's really fun. Okay, moving right along. Let's talk about some Netflix stuff now. Super Crooks. I watched that show because she told me to. What did you have me watch? <laughs> you didn't like it? I loved it, but like... okay. okay. <laughs> I was nervous at first. I'm like, oh no. No, no, no. It was it was so campy. I loved it. <laughs> yes. So this was produced by Studio Bones, who did Wolf's Reign, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Mob Psycho, and most recently My Hero Academia. They also did the Cowboy Bebop movie and sort of the Stranger. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. So this show is a superhuman high story set within the Jupiter's Legacy universe created by Mark Millar. Have you seen that show on I Netflix? Did, I haven't seen it. Did you enjoy it? I did. Okay, I'll check it out now. It's decent. It's straight. This cartoon is better than the actual show, though. I would imagine so. I mean, animation's almost always better than live action. So. Yeah. Yeah, I want to quote Mark Millar. He did a, an interview with, uh, I think, Anime Worldwide News, that website, AWN. He said, I never expected it to be an anime project, but the minute... Netflix said Studio Bones, I was like, okay, I'm in. And when I saw the character designs, it felt really exciting. I love it when two things that weren't meant to be together come together. And I had never seen this kind of mashup before. So apparently, the first 10 out of the 13 episodes are a prequel to the comic he wrote. And that would initially give you pause when people try to expand on work of this nature, like the Watchmen movie, the results can be mixed, right? Mm -hmm. But without spoiling anything, the end of the first episode completely left me shocked. (laughs) Uh, pun intended. It's just it's just a fun roller coaster. It's just so fun. There are really creative action sequences in here. The powers of all the of everyone are demonstrated in cool ways. And I think along with Hitmonkey, I think this has been slept on, unfortunately. But I really hope you all can catch it if you haven't. Yes, I definitely <clears throat> recommend it. Uh, I will give everyone a trigger warning for excessive violence. Mm-hmm. blurred and gore it's quite uh think of if you watched invincible think of it that level of violence probably more actually uh, i don't know about that i mean invincible I mean, that whole train scene was pretty brutal yeah but i think super crooks is more consistent with it like okay that's fair yeah, without that's the episode fair. so it's not like oh you can miss this one scene in this show like for for the most part invincible like kind of baits you into thinking that his dad is a good guy for like a good chunk of the series and then those last few episodes you bam but um for super crooks you get what you get and you're gonna get some violence yeah (laughs) but it's really good i definitely stand with brendan in recommending it yeah it sucks me to get a chance to talk about invincible too i don't know what was happening at that time i think i was just just so busy but that was a good show too we we missed that one i missed roasting yasuke Do you want to talk about anything else of uh, this show or move on? Uh, it's basically the villain's perspective of living in a superhero world. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool because you see some of them are hardworking, everyday people who are just kind of down on their look. And then some of them are just like, I just love being a villain. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really cool because a lot of complaints in today's kind of way of writing shows is every villain has 
a reason. And some of the villains in this is just like, no, I just like being a villain. It's, it's fun. Like, and I think that's some people. What's that black meme? Like, I just like doing bad shit with, with my friends or whatever. Oh, yeah. Shit with my friends. Right. Like, <laughs> they just like fucking around. <laughs> right. And it's very, again, very campy. You do see some of that. There are consequences to being a villain, but there's also that every hero is not a hero mm. kind of situation. It's very, it's not the same as every other show with this kind of premise. So I definitely feel like you should watch it because when we explain it, it sounds like, uh. I've heard that premise before, but it's not the same. I would say the the most recent show that shares some DNA would be The Boys. Yes. But they're definitely different, uh, distinct. Don't be like, oh, it's just The Boys, but animated. It's definitely not that. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to impart. Like, just, it's so much... I think it's more fun than The Boys. The Boys is kind of dark. Yes. You will laugh so much. I definitely get some of that uh, kind of campy voice acting. Thank you very much, Best friend! Thank you so much! Best friend! <laughs> <laughs> so, it's good. Definitely give it a watch. Word. Alright, our next Netflix show, Arcane! Hey. So this is based off League of Legends, and for those apprehensive about watching it, if you haven't played the game, don't be. I've never touched that game. Have you played the game? I played it twice. Was it because of your Korean husband, or before that? He's not. He doesn't play League. It was because of my friends, okay. and I hate the game. I'm sorry to League fans out there. The game itself is high time involvement, but little reward. Mm. Um, which is why Pokemon Unite was such a big hit, because it gives you that mobile feel, but it's a way shorter time frame. <laughs> you spend 30 minutes to an hour running up those lanes. I never played a MOBA, so I can't comment on this at all. Yeah, I knew Jinx before seeing the show, and I recognized her immediately mm-hmm. when I watched the show, but I had not played enough to know all the characters but i'm looking forward to the characters that i do know being introduced uh but to what you said with most games there's not a lot of lore attached especially riot games Riot games are just here's these characters and then um there's some lore but you don't get the full thing but riot has been doing really good the game company has been doing really good about starting to get that lore and expound on it. And I'm really excited to see how the company goes forward with all of these games that they have because they've started making so much lore for all of their games. What are the games do they have? I, I don't know much about them. Uh, they have Valorant as well. Oh, that's them too. Yep. That's a big deal these days. Yes. It's always in like the top 20 on Twitch. Mm-hmm. It's up there with Apex Legends. And uh, they also have quite a lot of lore. They're introducing a lot of characters. And they've always, they've already given us a story for mm-hmm. Valorant. And they've given us the story for League. They have another game that's like a, mo- a mobile game as well that you can play. But I think it's related to League. And I think they're producing a fighting game called Kings. They kind of promoted it in Arcane. But there's also going to be a fighting game that they're creating, which I think is based off League. So it's not going to be any new character lore. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Bringing that gamer nerd. <laughs> no, that's great. I feel like this show is like Pokemon. If you hadn't played Pokemon, you could still enjoy Pokemon a lot. Mm-hmm. It's more of a vehicle to get you to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's not a, a vehicle to get you to play League. I think it's a vehicle to get you to play their new fighting game. 
which mm. I am willing to play. I love fighting games. I'm done. I'm like, yeah, bring bring on a new fighting game. Yeah, you're always playing Tekken on your Twitch. <laughs> Tekken, Street Fighter, Guilty Gear, bringing on Mortal Kombat. Bring, give me a fighting game. I'm good, but MOBAs, nah. Are you a Smash player, though? That's important. Why does everyone ask? I am so uh, garbage it's at... the tr- best. I am garbage at it. I'm garbage at Smash. I'm absolute doo-doo water. I admit this wholeheartedly. I am so garbage. You would say doo-doo water, right? As I take a drink of my own water. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, you don't have to know about this show, but the characters, locations, and concepts will give you more enjoyment if you are familiar with the game. Mm -hmm. As you said, this comes from Riot Games. This is their first animation alongside French developer Fortiche. I'm trying not to butcher it. My friend Cece from the Movies About Music podcast, she listens to my show. She teased me for mispronouncing Denis Villeneuve's name when I talked about Dune. I probably still butchered it, but whatever. Um, French is hard. That's why I chose Japanese, (laughs) which is also hard, but I'm a weeb, so it helps. Anyway, the characters in this show are fun. They're complex. The action set pieces are fun, but obviously the animation is the main attraction here. Mm -hmm. It is utterly gorgeous. It looks like a moving, hand-painted graphic novel. That is Riot's animation style. If you get into their lore and the stuff on YouTube for both League and... There's some stuff on YouTube for League and Valorant. It's all done in that style. It's all beautiful. The same style. It's not created just for this show. Nope, it's all the same style. Okay, fantastic. I had no idea. The, The cinematography, just how they frame everything is incredible. You could pause nearly any part of this show and have it framed on your wall. <laughs> it's really that good. The last time something this fresh impressed me was probably Spider-Verse three years ago. The last time for me was Demon Slayer as an when I saw the uh, animation style for Demon Slayer. I was like, that's a really fresh take on anime style. That was really beautiful. That's true. It does look good. But yeah, the, uh, the animation director, he said in this interview with Mashable, in a typical 3D production, Every element from the characters to the background is modeled in three dimensions. On Arcane, it's different. The backgrounds are digitally hand-painted, and the textures on the characters is crafted to get that graphical look that fits with the environment. We also used 2D animation for the FX, like the explosions, the tears, the smoke, to reinforce the painted look. In the details, it's slightly more complicated, but it's more or less how you end up with something that looks like an illustration. And the details, especially in the facial expressions are amazing Mm -hmm. and there's no motion capture here it's mind-blowing how they made this work (laughs) yeah it's great to see people enjoying it because i because again they have short like short animated sequences Mm -hmm. so they've just basically done what they do they do on youtube currently and made it such a big production i can only imagine how much time it took but uh that is a it's so great because it's a specific it's a riot specific style you only see this with Riot characters and all their characters have that kind of hand-painted... Ch- like, a lot of the characters have these really great details in the face to their hair and even their outfit designs. It's... I probably love... I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, and as a Valorant player, I have definitely was caught by the lore. And I was mm. like, oh my god, these characters are so interesting. And each character at League also has stories, like individual stories like that you can read, like almost mm-hmm. comic stories that you can go read to the side too. So if anyone's interested in more Jinx stories, because she gets up to a lot. She's definitely the Harley Quinn of this universe. And mm-hmm. she gets up to some some ridiculous things. Um, so people, if you've watched Arcane, you don't want to play the game. There is so much to read on the Riot website. They have so many little mini stories and short stories about each character. You can definitely check that out. Yeah, I was while you were talking, I was looking up the 
the budget for Arcane, and it's between ninety and a hundred million. Whew. So, so almost the production of a of a of a blockbuster movie. Jeez, it looks like it. No wonder they charge us fifty dollars for gun skins. <laughs> 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 the games are free, but you know. <laughs> Right. It's quote unquote free to play. But anyway, it's a great show. If you haven't watched it, this is a great time to catch up during the holidays. Let's move on to. Uh, oh boy. Ah, uh, yes. I told Brandon we have to do this, and he can't just skip past it because he doesn't like it. Yo, man, when I walked out this movie, I told myself, I'm not. You know that meme where that guy's looking in the mirror? He's like, you are not going to do this. <laughs> My husband tried to quit halfway through. He really did. He tried to walk away. I said, no, you have to sit here and suffer with me. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> Turn around. Baby. No, sit down. We in this together. <laughs> Rewinding it a little bit. I told y'all that I wasn't on Twitter much, but wow, can one tweet change everything? I posted my quote-unquote quick review of this movie and it was a Gundam stabbing its eyes with its own laser swords and it became my most tweeted tweet since I started Twitter the Wong thing clips that like a day later but I really struck a chord with people and for good reason I really wanted to release an anniversary show on the Matrix a couple years ago when it turned 20 but it's the Star Wars of my generation shout out to my mom she took me and my siblings to see this movie when I was in middle school and fell asleep in the theater (laughs) she called it boring I'm here you know, middle school Brendan, he's scraping his brain off the ceiling after experiencing all the, you know, the martial arts and the music, the style, the concepts. My mom is sitting next to me nearly snoring. I will never forget that. Did you watch this in theater? The the original one? No, because you know what? Oh, the original one. Yes. Oh, I thought you said this movie. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. But I was quite a bit younger. Yeah. My mom watched it in theater. So I watched it in theater. <laughs> Okay, I dig that. Anyway, I gotta tell y'all, um, the Matrix, the original Matrix changed Hollywood. It changed how it made sci-fi, action, just movies, period. It's one of those films where they had to create new technology and techniques to manifest the vision of the creators. Bullet Time was used in so many movies to the point of parody in things like Scary Movie and even like Shrek. Mm-hmm. So when the sequel was announced 18 years later, there were some pretty high expectations. I usually don't watch trailers, but I had to do it for this one. This is really a meaningful franchise for me. I, re- I regret that I didn't watch a trailer, so I could have been prepared. I think, honestly, even with the trailer, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And I think that's great. That's how trailers should be. I can't think back to the trailer and really think about things that I would have rather seen in the theater. I mean, I didn't want to watch any of this in the theater in <laughs> hindsight, but we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> I went to the theater. I had zero expectations. The first act starts off mildly interesting, definitely different from the previous films to an extent. And I was curious about where it was going to go. But then I got halfway through and this sinking dread swept over because I didn't know where it was going. I felt like that scene in the first movie where Neo was running from the agents at the end of the movie and the agents were my doubts of this winding up to be good. And then I, I opened that last door and I looked down, there's a, there's a hole in my heart and I look up and it's this movie. <laughs> I am starting to associate, and this is terrible. I am starting to associate Yahoo Abdul-Mateen the second. I'm starting to associate him with bad movies at this point. Oh no. He had a, a main part of this movie and he was kind of a big part of why it was bad too. Do you think, I don't think, I think he did what the director asked him to do. I don't know what else he could have done. This, they could have just not made this movie. 
That's true, but I'm saying I can't blame him. I can't blame any of the actors in this movie for why it's bad. Actually, no, I can't because I felt like the acting was absolutely terrible. I mean, I know... There's only one I would say that was terrible. I know Keanu is not an actor, but God, his line delivery in this was terrible. The thing is, the Matrix (laughs) films were never known for great acting. Right, but it felt like he was over... The whole... The the charm of Keanu Reeves' acting is that he doesn't overact, right? He just kind of says his lines. Um, That's usually kind of his charm. That's why he was so good in the alien... uh, What was that that movie where he was the alien who was coming to destroy the world? Oh, the the day the The, world stood still? That one. The the reason that he was cast is because he has this... That stoic face. Yeah, and he just doesn't overact. And this one, it felt like he was trying to give facial emotion, which kind of was like, what? And he was doing something weird with his voice. And I was like, what is this? What are you doing? Chill. You're not an actor. Well, you're an actor, but... (laughs) Okay, I'll just say that. I I didn't think anything stood out that bad to me. I think the movie did try to give him some more range because if you watch the trailer, he's kind of plugged back into the Matrix. Let me just kind of get into the the, other premise here. So this movie kind of bounces between two perspectives, really. So one is Neo, who is apparently plugged back into the Matrix as the most famous video game developer in the world. He has made a trilogy of Matrix games based off the previous three movies, which are really his own memories. And the other one is these new characters, the main one being Bugs, yes, named after the bunny, played by Jessica Henwick, who is apparently the best part of everything she's in, like she Iron Fist. She was definitely the best part of this movie. Oh, totally. Just an underused, undervalued actress. I really hope she gets more. Apparently, she was up for the role of Rey in Star Wars, but she just became a fighter pilot. But anyway, I'm sure you all have heard how meta this movie is. The game company that Neo designs for is Warner Brothers, and they are pressuring him to make a sequel. Get it? There was a line in the movie that made me think early on, maybe this is a troll on Lana Wachowski's part. Things have changed. The market's tough. I'm sure you can understand why our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers, has decided to make a sequel to the trilogy. What? They informed me they're going to do it with or without us. I thought they couldn't do that. Oh, they can. And they made it clear they'll kill our contract if we don't cooperate. So when I heard that, I wondered, is this a shot at Warner Brothers for forcing this on her? You're going to take this or we're going to give it to someone else and piss you off? Or was it a shot at Lily Wachowski because it was only Lana who did this movie? I mean, I don't know how they would have done it without either of the Wachowskis because Keanu said in interviews that he wouldn't have done the movie without the Wachowskis working with them. But a lot of people are calling this a cash grab. I felt like it the entire time. Yeah, I was just like, this could have, y'all could have kept it. I disagree. I, I feel like it was because people are going to go see it. Like they're going to go see it because exactly what you said in your preamble. It doesn't really matter how bad or good it is. People are going to go see it. People are talking about this movie. Everyone, everyone I know is going to go see it probably with the same vigor of Spider-Man. Um, probably more because the Matrix hit not just comic book fans, People are going to go see this movie no matter what. And Warner Brothers, they know that. Here's why I disagree. With such an unexpected direction and so many interesting ideas in this movie, it doesn't feel like a studio film. If it were a studio film, you would see the big production and the music and the action like the sequels that executives know are going to get butts in the seats in the trailer, but also have folks come back to watch it. They wouldn't intentionally torpedo one of their biggest franchises with such lackluster... (laughs) everything this feels yet again like warner brothers letting the director do what they want like with the snyder cut but this is a far bigger mess than 
than Zack Snyder's movie. The core tenets of The Matrix to me. Oh, I'll ask you, what would define The Matrix franchise? Okay, so it's definitely the part about being unplugged from our reality. That's I think that's the big thing. As you said, uh, <laughs> bullet, bullet time. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, Neo being the one. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm not okay. <laughs> it broke me. <laughs> this broke me. Uh... Seriously. Every time I tried to, to like bring my fingers up to start typing out what I'm going to think about this movie, I started glitching. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you keep saying these tenants, and every time I mention a tenant, of like the, it's like, uh, I feel like they just took my childhood and just threw it in the garbage. Oh, man. I'm so this upset. Was, okay, I this, was, this was rough. Okay, let me, let me help you out. I'll pass the ball back. Yeah, go ahead. Take it. For me... Sci-fi concepts, impressive action set pieces, style, and unforgettable music, mixing rock, electronic, yeah, it was good, yeah. orchestra. Say what you want about the sequels, but that fight scene in the weapon room where everyone is just pulling different weapons off the walls to kill each other was one of the highlights of the whole series. The part when everyone's in slow motion and in the air, flipping and running the around the wall. For oh, the Matrix so good. is so good, yeah. I'm, still, I'm just hurt over here, sorry. this movie has none of that the score isn't even done by the original composer don davis i can't remember a single song from this movie at least in a good way there was a remix of the propeller head song from the first matrix lobby scene i think it was when neo was asleep at his computer and instead of having that massive attack uh song dissolved girl which i wish was on the soundtrack officially it was that it's it's like a it's a south park member berry moment then there is a horrible cover of wake up by rage against the machine at the end of this movie that was the part that nearly like broke me it was really the stinger at the end that made me kind of start cackling like the joker i uh i literally laughed all the way home when people said it was bad i kind of took it with a grain of salt i'll be honest with you okay i took it with a grain of salt you know, I was like how bad could it be and then <laughs> i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> honestly when they got to that warner brothers part i was already like what the hell are they doing like what is it's like comedy was never a thing I thought about when I thought of The Matrix. It's a very self-serious franchise. Exactly. Like, I never thought I'd see Neo taking a shit the, on, on screen. Yeah. I I rarely, I was, yeah, confused um, the whole time. I was like, what? So we talked about the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fights. Nearly all the fights were shot like B-grade Netflix movies. They were so subpar. Poorly lighted quick cuts so you don't appreciate whatever is happening on the screen a far cry from the glory of the previous films there was a fight between neo and smith that was a member berry from the first film the dojo scene with morpheus was weak it was so disappointing and it's also where we get neo's new force push power and it was interesting once or twice but during the third act they ran that into the ground that's all he had it was horrible horrible the wild thing is the budget for this movie was $190 million. On what? That's $40 million more than the budget for Reloaded and Revolutions. On As what? you said, exactly. Where'd that money go? <laughs> On Keanu Reeves' like, no. His, right, hiring him? Maybe. You want to guess the budget for the original movie? Uh, what, like $50 million maybe? $63 million. I was close. Yeah. At the time of this recording, the worldwide box office for this movie is 69 nice million dollars. <laughs> why is it every time that you're on my show, 69 comes up? I don't know why that is. 
Um, I don't, it's funny because the rate, the scores for this movie were 69. Oh, for real? The Rotten Tomato and Metacritic were both like 69, 69. And that's, it was like nice. That's nice. Wow. Anyway, that's not a good look. You know, <laughs> for those who know, um, who don't, for those who don't know, for a movie to be considered a success, it needs to make 2.5 times its production cost. And that means this movie needs to make at least 475 milli worldwide. And I don't think it's going to get there at all. I hope not. That might encourage them to make another one. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't do it. Let's talk about the action. You can you can lead on this one. Uh, The action, to me, it just... Oh, no, no, the, 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 the acting. acting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, like you said, oh, girl, it's the best part of the movie. Everybody, oh, my God, everybody in this movie. There was no good actor. There was one good actor. Everybody else, I was just like, what are you... Are you... Re-? Everyone sounded like they were just reading off a piece of paper. Everybody. Especially, um... Especially the, uh... What's her name? The captain. She sounded... I was like, she. I'm supposed to be getting indignant, you know, indignant old lady, and... I just feel like she's reading off a script verbatim. Oh, Niobe? Yeah. I was like, uh, I don't usually harp on acting because it's mm-hmm. not something, I mean, but it was so bad. It was glaring. It was Maybe she was dealing with too many entanglements to focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, also, but and back to Yahoo, man, I say this man's name, Mr. Mateen. I'm just calling Mr. Mateen for now on. You say his acting wasn't that bad. I think it was pretty bad or the directing of his acting was pretty bad and it almost felt like he was supposed to make fun of morpheus rather than be a reiteration and his some of his acting choices were definitely choices like his little a little crazy i'm like what what is that (laughs) yeah i mean here's the thing we know he's a good actor right so do i (laughs) he's a good actor um but yeah, I think honestly, it's the direction and the writing for this. They could have made him just a whole different character because you're comparing him to, to Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. <laughs> I mean, Morpheus is to me the greatest black sci-fi character that has ever come on screen. It's like between him and Lando to me. It what was terrible about it was you could tell that he was. I mean, as he was supposed to, because in this rendition. He's not just Morpheus, but you could tell he was kind of trying to decide whether he was going to act like Lawrence Fishburne or like take his own thing. And it just kind of fell in this weird gray area. Like an uncanny valley, but for acting. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of a he's taking an L because he's taking two L's back to back with these movies. That's true. That's true. What's good about him is if he's in a movie that's not that great, you can't really fault him for it. Candyman. The writing was just not great in that movie. The visuals were great, but I can't say like he was a bad actor in the movie. And in this movie, I can't say that he was bad. I think he just did what he was told. And as you said, there were choices, but I think it was kind of a rock and a hard place situation. I mean, how can you ask someone to live up to, like I said, one of the greatest black sci-fi characters on screen? That's hard to ask for. Okay, okay, okay. I'll let that go. But even the OG actors were just... They were wooden. But I think they were kind of wooden in the old films. I don't think acting was a big part of this franchise. I think Morpheus had charisma and Agent Smith had charisma. Those two had really the only charisma in that movie. But it wasn't like Neo was a main draw for his action or his acting ability. Okay, okay, okay. Look, if... Mm. See, but... Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so much more noticeable when you don't have the other stuff. No, you're totally right. If there's no good music, there's no action, then yeah, it hinges upon the drama and the acting and it wasn't there you're, you're completely right about that so cringe okay i'm done yeah i'm, I'm done too i, I 
I was someone to walk up the theater, but you dragged me, you red pilled me, and made me do this. I had. We have to talk about it. You know, they're looking. People are gonna be looking. They're like, if Brandon hated <laughs> Shang Chi and he was like so so on Spider Man. Oh, oh hey 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 hey, hey! wait hey, to hey, hear hey, what hey, he hey, says. Hey, hey, hey. About- I did not hate Shang Shang Chi. Don't. <laughs> Okay, let's. So I talked about my rating system on, on the last show. Yeah, and I and I gave Spider Man like a three point five out of five. Right, I, and it was um, good. It was good. It's good. I would say, mm, I would say Shang Chi would honestly be about three point five two. I think my point is, people are like, if he is talking about this about movies people actually loved, can't okay. wait to hear what he says about stuff everyone hates. Everyone hates. <laughs> yeah, it's. It was a mess, man. It was a mess. Uh, like that that stinger. Like first of all, the ending when spoilers, kind of whatever. But you know, Trini and Neil are are like lovebird ones now or whatever. Again, and the one. And they're doing like this like slapstick against the analyst at the end of the movie. Like there should be a laugh track being pushed in when and they slap him around. And then that stinger was like the worst MCU comedy stingers, where it's like you know that giant ant at the end of Ant Man the Wasp, or, or Captain America at the end of Homecoming. Those horrible joke stingers. Like, what does this have to Wait, do with? There was something at the end. Yes. Oh, you watched it that far? Yes. Oh my god. Because <laughs> you know, because they usually have them. So I I looked it up and I was like, is it going to be a stinger? And I said yes. So at the end of the movie, I walked out. The uh, the video game developers are talking about ideas for the new Matrix game, and they say, well, "How about we do the Catrix, and it could be a Matrix, but with like a bunch of cat videos." And that's the stinger. That's when I started cackling. I was like, <laughs> my mind literally shattered. I, <laughs> I, I almost did, it, but it, laughter was my was my best way to process this movie at the time. How do you take a really solid franchise like the Matrix, a staple in most houses? in america at least mm. of serious mind-boggling it makes you think about the world around you kind of edgy cool sci-fi and make it this everyone's life has been touched by the matrix in some way either you love the movie you love the music you've seen it in other properties that you enjoy your conservative uncle is sharing red pill memes or some shit everyone's been touched by this movie but what sucks i'm gonna go into our my last thing i want to talk about today and that's things i want to leave behind things i want us to leave behind in 2021 is the ad hominem attacks on fandom i had folks already coming out the gate if you're a real fan you would like this movie what and I who ha- said that yeah i talked to that person personally and we reached an understanding about why that's ridiculous and we're cool but man, I just see out the gate that we talked about with Spider-Man, this shock of you've been hit with so much stuff that your only process is to extrovert this ownership of the fandom and anyone else who disagrees with you, they're not a real fan. I have a friend, she's a trans woman, and she was talking about, you know, what's the word, cis- cishet? Yeah, How do you say cishet. that? Cishet people shouldn't talk about this movie or, or you do better. And I'm like, number one, not every criticism of something made by a minority is an attack on, on the, the whole group yeah that's mind-boggling there's it's mind-boggling as you say because no one was focusing on the fact that lana and lily wachowski are trans we just all call them the wachowskis honestly it was probably the smoothest transition for a famous person everybody just went okay the wachowskis cut off brothers that's it and we moved on it's no like one cares as, it's like as long as you're making good shit i don't care who you are exactly i don't care who you are and the thing is for a lot of these attacks in anything, usually the identity aspect is not a core part of the product. You know, people were saying, if you don't like Eternals and you're queerphobic, how was 
Wait, um, what? old dudes, old dudes, gayness a central, integral part of this film. It wasn't. So no. to say that, you know, what I'm saying it's ridiculous. So I just hope that anyone listening to my show just stops doing that. Let's leave this shit behind. Are you going to talk about the plot now of the Matrix? Yes. No, I'm done. You have to. I'm done. Tell them. No, I, I can't. We're already long on time. Like <laughs> folks are probably already exhausted, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> The thought of analyzing this film and scripting it out, like, I really did not want to do it. I'm only doing this for you. Like, I, I only did this for you. Okay. I'll let it go. I cannot do it. Don't I watch cannot, it. I cannot Don't watch do this movie. it. Don't do I it can't. to yourself. I'm broken. You know what? I had a friend tell me that someone told her it was good. And I said, who? She said, like, people were saying it was good. I was like, those people are liars. Yeah, I've seen stuff on Twitter. Folks were like, it's perfect. 10 out of 10, 8 out of 10. Screw the haters. I'm just like, it, it happens every every time a movie comes out. There's always going to be someone who... They have to go against the grain. They're like, it's not as bad as people are saying. And I'm like, y'all are all liars. I know. I think folks, they're folks who, who genuinely like the film, and that's fine. We can always disagree. True. But there's that quote of like, can agree, disagree, yeah. unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression or whatever. Right. It's like, we can agree, disagree on these films, but if your fandom is rooted in projecting the worst upon people who disagree with you, like they're bigots or they're not a real fan or mm-hmm. they're just a hater, especially people that you call your friends... <laughs> then what does that say about you? Yeah, in 2022, let's not be losing whole 10-year friendships over a movie, y'all. Yes, if your fandom is rooted in dehumanizing others for not sharing it, what does that say about you? Mm. Black people, especially the main millennial demographic who listen to this show, who have experienced gatekeeping within the black community, gatekeeping in the nerd community, why continue this behavior here? What value does this bring you and the community? It's so whack to me. The argument about you do better, it's like, if we go to a restaurant and there's hair in my soup and I complain, should the response be, well, you do better? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. I hate it. Politicians, right? Biden's supposed to represent America. 60% of Americans support some form of student debt cancellation. That's the hot issue right now. And if I complain about that, should the responsibility be on me now saying, well, you do better? I mean, no, that is some, that's some people's <laughs> theory. That's an argument. You, you say that in, in satire, but there are people who say that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I have people around me who, who say those things. And it's, I, it's so... It's lazy thinking. It's, it's lazy. It's, it's very lazy thinking. It's, it's just like you don't want to... There's no critical thinking to it at all. Yeah. Closing bit on this. If you want to go to the action, you can, but, uh, or the plot, you can. But just closing bit, I don't want to come off as too judgmental here. Like, I know a lot of people are hurt. People were hurt before the pandemic, right? But, man, we got to figure out a better way to, to, like, process that. I mean, let's take, it's Kwanzaa. So, you know, let's take Kwanzaa to actually really think about the values. Take this one and, and actually look at the tenets. And, uh, you know, yesterday was the second day of Kwanzaa, which is self-determination. Mm-hmm. You know, let's look at ourselves, improve ourselves, make a good life for ourselves. And by being better for ourselves, we become better people to literally everyone around us. Mm. Word. I love it. Do you want to talk about the plot, more Matrix stuff, or, or no, 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 no? You're right. You're right. We can let that go. I, you know what? I thought about what you said, and then I thought about the movie again, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna be nice to myself. <laughs> yes, self care. <laughs> self care is not giving this movie any more time. Yeah. So let's just do a recap. Um, don't watch the Matrix. Watch Arcane. Watch Super Crooks. Watch Hit Monkey. Watch literally everything else but this. Yeah. Anyway, we got to sign off. Probably going to take quite a break. Maybe until Morbius comes out or something surprising comes out, we'll talk about it. But yeah, you all take care. Have a lovely new year. Be good to each other. Be good to yourselves. 
And as uh, Ali said, self-determination. Let's keep that in mind. Self-improvement. Where can they find you? Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all Ali Soko. A-L-Y-S-O-K-O. All right, y'all. And of course, you know where you can find us. We're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. We're on Twitter, I guess, uh, B-L-E-R-D-U, and on Facebook, of course. I'm not really on there a whole lot, but B-L-E-R-D-U-P. Hey, this is Brendan slightly in the future. I want to acknowledge a couple of people we lost this year. Most recently, Bell Hooks, monumental figure in the feminist world, specifically black feminism. Her philosophies on compassion and empathy have helped shape my thoughts on how we think of and communicate with each other regarding fandom and definitely beyond. Her wisdom regarding children is something that I've taken into my teaching style, so rest in peace to her. But we're going to end the show on a song by late rapper Gift of Gab, one half of the legendary West Coast rap duo Black Alicious. I got into them when I studied abroad in Japan. Their work imbued me with a sense of pride, purpose, and gratitude as a black man in a strange land. And while times have been tough recently, it has continued to influence me to this day. And I hope it can be beneficial to you. Thank you all so much for another great year. Be proud of yourselves for making it through this year. And we'll see you in 2022. Peace.